You're listening to Lab Notes by Play Labs, where we focus on gameplay, communication, and wellness. Let's get to the lab. Hey, welcome to Lab Notes. This is Neil, otherwise known as Spoonman. I am here, as always, with Jared, and almost always with Zach. Hey, thanks for having me back again. And we have a new guest. Uh, we have Wayne Patton from our IT company and longtime friend of mine, as well as longtime gaming partner. Yeah, definitely good to be here. Nice to break my uh, lab notes virginity. Uh, let's jump right into Jared's coaching tip of the week. Tip is going to be a little more obvious than the last couple. You know, when when you're first getting into gaming last week, our tip was to keep it simple. But as things get more complex and you're looking to learn, there are a lot of good content creators out there that you could take advantage of that have been playing games for years more than you have, especially if you're new to a game. So don't be afraid to lean on them and try different people because, you know, if you hear one guy and for me, if I as simple as don't like somebody's voice, I don't really like the content because I can't stand listening to them, but you can find somebody that you like and definitely lean on them. And it may even be somebody in your friends group already. Are you referring to content creators in terms of just overall or YouTube creators or Twitch or kick or yeah, you kind of find them anywhere. You know, it, it really depends on the, the media that you want to consume. If your goal is to get better, it can either be by going on YouTube and looking the videos up or looking into the professional scene and see if any of those guys are active streamers. If you're able to do that, you know, you can watch a pro. That's great. Sometimes that's setting the bar a little too high because there's usually a big leap between an amateur and a pro. So there has to be some in-between that you have to learn. You play a game for a month and you think you're ready to play professionally. You're probably not, uh, <laughs> even with all the God-given talent in the world. So, you know, find the people that you like, absorb from multiple outlets, and then try to apply that to your game and think about it while you're playing. Don't just consume it, forget it, and go back to playing how you were, because that's never going to lead to improvement. Yeah, I think I kind of break them into two categories, right? Like YouTube from a, a, a learning perspective, and, you know, I can stop and rewind and re-listen, and it's a little bit more geared towards my uh, understanding. And then I'll jump from that to Twitch to see it in practice, you know, since I don't really have the opportunity to it was very minimal interaction, of course, in either medium, but at least uh, with YouTube, I can stop it and pause and take notes or listen to it again if I need to right away. Whereas uh, Twitch, it's just happening and I'm watching it, watching it yeah. happen as an observer. So. Yeah, there's a better chance on YouTube that if you're looking for a specific element to improve, you can look exactly look exactly into what you're trying to learn as opposed to Twitch is kind of crossing your fingers. That's more just picking up little things throughout the game versus, like, how do I aim better and what's the strategy on this specific map? You don't go into a stream and hope they end up playing on that map and use that strategy. You look it up on a, on YouTube or, or any of the other content sites. There's really good stuff on, uh, on, like, TikTok and YouTube Shorts that have really hard-hitting, game-changing facts in just a little 15-second clip. Excellent. And I'm looking forward to Play Labs kind of creating some of that content as well as we start to grow and get into that area a little bit more. That is a topic for a later date. 
Want the lab to yourself? Host a private party and get exclusive access to our entire 3,000 square foot gaming lab for your birthday party, bachelor or bachelorette party, or company event. Visit playlabs.gg slash party to book today. Use the promo code podcast for a $50 discount. Hopefully you tuned into our stream last week, which was last Thursday for the Game Awards. Uh, we had a, a very nice little setup going on at the lab, and we had multiple people on there all talking about what was happening on the screen. The recap is really what I'm what I'm interested in discussing today, not just for the Game Awards, you know, specifically, but gaming and award shows and a combination of things. Right? I, I think in a lot of cases. The gaming world is such a different beast from so many things. You know, it's traditional sports are not, you can't have a direct correlation between the two. I mean, your requirements for talent and athleticism are different between the two and, and esports kind of uh, takes it to a, a different degree in a, in a different direction, which is non-traditional. And I think gamers in general are, are overall non-traditional consumers of the content and communicators that's the nicest way i can say all those things by the way oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> but so, uh, uh, having seen the game awards which was light on awards and certainly heavy on releases and i think the biggest thing that stood out for me was you know after three hours of this award show finally getting of course to the game of the year and then having the People receiving the Game of the Year award having, you know, whatever, a minute, maybe two minutes to, to thank everybody just seemed really odd, really out of place. I mean, you it know. felt like it ran just really, really long. We didn't even get to finish streaming it here at Play Labs just with time constraints. You know, it felt like they started late. A lot of their operational stuff seemed... I don't know, bad is the word, but I mean, when they put up giveaways for a Steam Deck and you're not ready for... I don't know. Thousands. I don't know if you guys actually looked at the, the TGA stream and saw how many people were viewing, but I mean, you have to imagine tens of thousands of people are going to flux into that for a giveaway and they weren't ready for it and they changed it to something else. And then that wasn't ready for it. So it's like, there, there's so many things that can be done better, condensing the format, reducing the, the ads for the games and the new stuff and all the world premieres. Like, I don't know, maybe put that stuff before in the pre-stream instead of playing footage from games that people already know about, that would be one idea. I would like to see a little more info on the games that are actually nominated, you know, including the winner. Because even though, yeah, people partially know about the bigger games and that type of stuff, but I still think actually giving out a little bit of info on the games, maybe a little bit of the gameplay, just something where I would think that you would have people that hadn't played all the games before. Yeah, years ago, they used to to do that. They wouldn't go as in-depth about what the game was about or how it played, but they would at least show some gameplay, you know, as they were announcing each game. And it just, you can tell that they're really trying to work in the commercial stuff. And that's the stuff that doesn't work for me. Like having Gonzo up there, which is, you know, at the end of the day, just a big commercial for Disney and and the Muppets. Like, I I don't need that. I, I like the awards themselves. I like the reveals. You know, I think the Game Awards has unique opportunities and it, it takes advantage of some of them. Like I love the the orchestra medley they do of all the Game of the Year nominees, which is why I would have loved Final Fantasy 16 to have been nominated, even if it wouldn't win, just to have that music in there because it was great. 
you know, take advantage. Like you said, have the developers, let them say something, give them some real time to, to talk about their game or talk about their studio or, you know, whatever it is. Speaking of previews, just put them all out on YouTube. Why should I watch this thing that, you know, is a tune in style thing, right? Tune in at 730 for this this event and then play things that I can just download on demand or, or view on demand at any time. It, it, it just seemed odd. The, the show should have been an hour, maybe a little longer. I, I, Zach, I think you're on to something with that. That was really a unique thing. The orchestra playing the snips from the songs and everything. That was pretty cool, and I like that, and I think that kind of kind of elevates it a little bit. And more of that would be great. More developer commentary would be awesome. Behind the scenes would be great. Things we don't normally get to see. What goes into making a good hooker in GTA? That would have been a great topic to talk about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do we host our own game awards next year and we just arbitrarily give? I mean, because they don't mean anything. Yeah, right. I mean, Jeff Keighley at some point just decided to do this and right. is doing it. It's not – the industry doesn't put on this event. Jeff Keighley puts on the event, and it's an entertainment product at the end of the day. Yep. You know, that – it is there to make money. Like, I have um a stat here. Like, probably what I would consider the next biggest award show in the industry is the Dice Awards, which uh, take place in February. And the VOD for that is sitting at 2,800 views right now on Twitch. Whereas this year's Game Awards is already at six and a half million. People seem to want the commercial stuff as much as we're talking about how we don't love it. I mean, when we do dive into the industry for what it is, it seems like people just don't care by and large. Yeah, you're right. Cause I was reading a couple things too. And it seemed like it seemed like the whole, you know, announcement trailers and sneak peeks and all that stuff that seemed to be the whole driving force to everything and it's just yeah. i don't know maybe we're just the old man get off my lawn <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know we actually want to see some info on the games that are actually winning things or nominated or but they could really condense a lot of it because i i just went on youtube just for fun and i google or i i looked up game awards 2023 trailers and there are multiple compilations of just the game trailers the long one is about 35 minutes of just trailers, mm-hmm. and the short version of it is 21 minutes. There's also an hour-long version one. I mean, that's a lot of ads right? in a three-hour mm-hmm. period. In a three-hour span, right? That means um, a third of it was game trailers. Well, yeah. I don't know. I look at it the same way, right? An hour-long drama on TV is 40 minutes. Because yep, there's 20, right. 20 minutes of commercials. So three hours, 20 minutes of commercials, that's an hour of commercials. It sounds about the same. You know, uh, what makes it three hours at this point? Because now I'm confused outside of, you know, the random people that got to come up and talk about whatever. The number of people that I just plain didn't know outside of the VTuber, which whatever the hell that is. Iron Mouse, um, your new favorite VTuber? Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Iron, thank yeah. you for the name. I couldn't think of the name. <laughs> Yeah, Iron Iron Mouse, and then whatever the guy from Liza P that ended up giving up the uh, game award. Oh, that wasn't actually who it was, but he looked just like him. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Some actor I've never heard of, but I guess he's in a couple movies. And yeah, he's and, in and uh, the, in Wonka. That's coming out in a couple oh, of days. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I I knew he looked familiar. I just couldn't figure out where. So okay, great. I don't. I have no idea who he is. You know, is there a way to 
make this better, there's no reason why Play Labs can't give out the Play Labs Awards. Of no, course. definitely not. Yeah. And whatever, we can let people nominate stuff and we'll take the cream of the crop of the nominations and do the same thing and, and basically give away the awards based on voting. The biggest douche should be part of the award. <laughs> right. <you> know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's See, what's so fun about like the Giant Bomb podcast. They do a big multi-episode Game of the Year thing every year and they, they get into the weeds with like what was the most like impactful moment you had in a game or like you know like the the biggest like music pop that you know really got you in a game and like they they go into the weeds with like that kind of stuff and have these long discussions and it's it's fun to listen to and and get all those perspectives i think that's pretty cool right i think that'd be pretty cool oh awards are a weird thing right like the only real advantage to getting an award is that you can leverage that statement to use in marketing material right i mean you get nothing more than that you know, it's not like Baldur's Gate needs to run around and go, hey, you know what? You should probably down, you know, buy our game because we were game of the year. You know, that's the most they can get out of it, right, is touting the fact that they won this award. So, hey, we got the uh, Play Lab's Worst Art Direction Award. Awesome. Um, <laughs> whatever. So speaking of worst, I figured I'd segue right into bad things, uh, right? There you go. <laughs> so uh, this week's big news was all about the day before. And, and not yesterday. Um, and it came out, I think, last week. A lot of controversy leading up to it was pulled off of Steam for a little while. It's in early access. It was released. It wasn't released what, as what they said it was going to be. And then four days later, the studio that makes it tells everybody, all right, well, it didn't work out for us, so we're shutting down. And uh, this came this came after charging people $40 to get in early access? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they sold the game. That's kind of two topics then. First and foremost, do you support developers charging money for early access gameplay? And the other thing, you know, what happens if a studio pops out and decides to go, is it like Kickstarter where, you know, you make that investment and then if it doesn't happen, oh, well, you lose out? Well, it's exactly what it is. And this, again, comes back to the gaming world, right? I can't think of any other industry that does that. Right. Very. I mean, some people have tried with movies and some people have tried with music. And but could you imagine like here, here's an early access vehicle. Well, we're thinking about making this pickup truck. But I mean, basically, I only see this really prominent in video games and I kind of get the concept. And there's this overwhelming and I don't know what generation it is anymore. I don't know what generation it is that started the. F the man kind of thing and nobody should be making this money and everybody should get a living wage and that whole concept, because I believe that that's what leads into this early access means it's a pseudo indie developer. And well, they're not taking big money from Activision and EA and all these other, you know, large publishers. What do you get out of that? I mean, don't get me wrong. All the other publishers put out garbage as well. Not all the time consistently, but they do put it out. But they got billions of dollars to back it up and continue to make it better. I mean, cyberpunk was a piece of garbage when it came out and then they did put the time and money and effort to make it better. Uh, no man's sky was garbage when it came out. Same exact thing. So you've got to go, okay, these things cost money. And clearly these guys didn't plan on the fact that the game wouldn't sell well. And what would they do? They just banked on the fact that we're going to put this piece of garbage out there and maybe we'll sucker enough people into giving us enough money that we can turn it into a, a, a polished piece of garbage. So what protects the consumer? I was just looking at a couple things uh, before we jumped on, and then I'm 
just looking through right now. So it looks like it looks like it actually didn't do crazy, like a super super bad. So it looks like they so potentially sold over two hundred thousand copies at forty bucks a piece. But it what does look it? like the the publisher is honoring all the refunds. Interesting. I saw that a lot of that income was paying off the debts that the company had. Yeah, they, they did say in the letter that all the money went to paying off hmm. partners and debt and partner debt, which is funny. But but yeah, I mean, I guess the good thing is is that it does look like Steam's honoring the refunds through the publisher. The rules are you can't have played played for more than two hours. Two hundred thousand people were hoping for something good. That's the way I look right, at right, it, right? right? Yeah. Rather than getting their I money mean, back, little, I'm thinking they'd rather prefer a good game, right? Just a little callback to last week. You know, Steam, even themselves, if they were the one that, that issued those refunds to keep their uh, their consumer base happy, it's about $8 million for 40 bucks a piece at, at 200,000 copies. We know that they make that in four days off of keys for CSGO alone, so I think they'd be all right. Ah, see, and and the post Gen X thought process comes into play. <laughs> That's not how that works. No, nope. <laughs> That's not nope. how any of that works. Somebody is still losing their ass <laughs> at the That's end it, of the right. day. I am not going to put my, you know, I'm not going to do your, what your I'm hard doing. Hard-earned right? key money. Regardless, regardless, <laughs> that's not the re- that's not relevant. I, I don't get to walk into some place and go, well, that job doesn't look very hard, so give me some of your money. That's not how that works. And those two things shouldn't cross paths. Number one, Steam didn't go, well, we'll take a chance on this and we'll back it. Then that's different. I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at is does Steam have any responsibility? Because there, there's tons of piles of garbage on Steam's platform. Something like this that was such a high-profile failure, does that have any effect on Steam? It's a good question. I think in certain markets, they might have different laws around that. But like you had mentioned Cyberpunk, Neil, and like that famously, Sony took that off the PlayStation store. That's how broken that game was at launch. They stopped selling it all together because of how many refunds they were having to issue, and, and they weren't happy with that. So they just completely took it off until CD Projekt Red had that in a state where they felt comfortable enough to sell it again. I, yeah, and it would I, have to be something that Steam works out with the publishers. Because yeah. I'm just looking at the Mytona, who's the publisher of Day Before, put out a post yesterday that they're working with Steam to open up refunds for any players who choose to make a refund. I guess, and I don't know who, who mentioned about early access. I think that maybe Jared had said something about that. Are we that, as gamers, are we that hard up for new games that we're willing to pay money towards a risky proposition like an early access game. It may not end up being the way we want it. Or is it really up to the person that decided to make the game to say, you know what, we should probably, before we go out there and start doing this, let's secure all the funds to make a finished product. Because that's really what's happening. We can't get enough money from anybody that's reputable to finish the product on our own. So we're going to get halfway there. We're going to put the chassis together and we're going to rely, rely on people to give us enough money to put wheels on it. I'd rather just not have it. There are enough yep. games available. I don't need it. And if your idea is that great, maybe somebody, and I know that's what's going to come out next, right, is, well, then you're relying on the suits. Well, you're right. The suits make the world uh-huh. go wrong. That's right. That's the way the world works, and you better <laughs> get right. used to it. That's right. Suck it up. That's how it works. 
And hopefully mm-hmm. over time we can replace the suits with hoodies, you know, lose all respect for humanity and, and you know. Well, you I, people I don't know go on Shark are... Tank. They need shark backing. Tank, yeah. Somebody needs to back things. Money. Yep. All of this costs money. None yeah. of this is free. As a as an early access purchaser, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it, do you think a model where that is truly treated as an investment would work? Use the day before it as an example, right? Sure. I'm going to give you forty dollars to to get early access, and we know what that means. And maybe uh, take that back. Maybe the game is going to eventually sell for forty dollars, but early access costs eighty mm-hmm. because that's really how that needs to work. Is you don't give early access and like the the Kickstarter style of things shouldn't actually be less than what the final product is selling for. It seems kind of counterintuitive and obviously it doesn't work very well for all the failed Kickstarters that are out there. It just doesn't work that way. And that just comes from people having really poor economics classes or something along those lines, because I don't know why they think it's going to work, but let's say you paid $80 for your early access and then the game releases at some point in time and they give you whatever one tenth of 1% of the sales or something along those lines, or they give you your 80 bucks back or something along those lines. Now you've become, you want your money back. So now you're a promoter of the product and you're giving good feedback and you're talking about it positively when it is positive to talk about. You think a model like that would work? Yeah, I I think it would. I mean, I think it makes more sense than the model now because then you're, you're actually getting something back once the game launches and it doesn't even need to be the full 80 you know it could be the yeah. difference between that and the purchase price or right. sure depending on what kind of game it is you know in-game currency or whatever mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. something that that you get kind of a bonus for being one of the people that decided you know what i'm going to put up my money yeah well if you're someone that can only you know maybe only buy one or two games a year and you have the option of buying the new call of duty which just came out which you cannot play unless you pay for it, unless you're doing Warzone, or you can buy this early access investment into a game that you're kind of interested in. Are you are you doing both? Are you just choosing the game that's a finished product? You know, the, the developers have to have a product that's interesting enough, and I don't think they should be entirely contingent on needing this early access money to finish their product. They should already have that in place, and this is just a way to incentivize more people to try the game as opposed to depending on that money, which I think is what happened with uh, with the day before. Well, they're, I don't know, they're, economics or something for them. Yeah, they're, they're truly depending on the money, and they, you know, under-delivered, which is only going to result in failure. I don't know, there's, there's a few ways to think about that, right? If it's If you're in a situation where the words, I can only afford, come out of your mouth, then nothing about risk should be involved. No, and, oh, yeah. and I, it, it would have to be, thing you know you're gonna like. and the yeah. and the <laughs> only thing would be that it can't be anything that is like, oh, that looks kind of interesting. It would have to be something that is like, oh my god, I can't live without that. Right. You you definitely don't need another zombie killer game, right? That's not a need for anybody. Hey, here's what is being sold as a finished product, and oh my gosh, it runs like crap, and. The dialogue is choppy and all these other things that are wrong with it. Right. Um, there's 40 patches in the first two weeks in order right. to fix everything. Uh, wait two more weeks. It's Again, it's not like there's nothing else to play. 
there's so much out. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing now in game, the way that gaming has gone is that it is that. It's it's the weight. I don't think there's actually a game period that I would ever buy day one anymore. You're basically dealing with a at the highest level a beta game anymore. And then you gotta give it like two weeks a month before people start coming back and saying, Oh well they fixed all this stuff, so now it's good. You know, I know you guys had a discussion about physical versus digital games a while back on the podcast and like I don't bother pre-ordering games anymore. Now that I've gone completely digital, there's no fear that I'm going to go to the store and the game won't be there. So I just typically wait until I'm like, I'm going to play this game tonight. I buy the game and and there it is. And sometimes there might be pre-order incentives. And I'll do that if it's something I'm like very sure on. Like if reviews have already come out pre-release, then sure. Maybe I'll I'll go ahead and do that. Like with something like Spider-Man, you know, that's that's kind of it. There's just no need. And I know developers and publishers don't like that. They, they want to know their numbers as soon as, as soon as they can, but it's not something for me. And early access really isn't for me. I think Minecraft is maybe the only big example I've ever done that. And by then it was already huge, you know, by the time I got into it. Yeah. Early access is really a thing for me. Like, Hey, I already have a few people that are playing this game and they, they know about it and it's, whatever, 80% done or something like that, and then I want to jump in on it with them, that's probably when I'll do early access. But yeah. There's never a need, right? I I don't have a need for any game that's really like, oh, my gosh, I actually have to play this. This podcast is produced by Podcast Nation. Just like great gamers are made at Play Labs, great podcasts are made at Podcast Nation. Visit us at podcastnation.com to learn more. Back to consumer protection-wise, I mean, outside of the storefront being the vehicle for the – and I don't know how that process works, right? Steam has a rule. Do they put the funds that they receive in escrow for two weeks for every purchaser, and they don't give it to the the developer until that two-week period or those two hours have expired? You know, I, I'm guessing they're protecting themselves, right, and they don't make as much money as you do without having – rules yeah they got Um, a bunch of stuff in place to cover themselves for that i'm sure it would be interesting to know kind of how the money flows yeah i'm curious right i mean i'm guessing so if their if their policy is two weeks you have two weeks or two hours whichever comes first so they will simply retain the money and not give it to the developer until one of those two things have happened so that they can afford to give the money back if that occurs. Yeah, if a refund in their normal method goes through. And then I think that's where, like with the day before, where the publisher had to step in and work with Steam to say, okay, you know, because of the circumstances of what's going on here, we want you to just offer, you know, basically anybody that's bought the game, period, no matter how much they played it, no matter how long ago they paid for it. You know, we want them to be able to get refunds, and then it's between the publisher and Steam to work out those details. But, yeah, I would have to think that there is some sort of escrow or hold account whenever a purchase is made for the refund policy. Yeah, what if the publisher goes under, though? Yeah, then it's like who gets screwed. Yeah, I mean, my guess would be that the only person that's going to ever get screwed out of the deal is going to be the consumer. (laughs) <laughs> right. Steam's not going to get screwed. They're going to put things in place to protect themselves. And if there's any way for the people that put this scam in place to get their money, they're going to try and get their money, too. 
and you've got a, an international marketplace, so you really don't have any kind of, you know, enforcement teeth companies in China that made the game. I mean, right, maybe yeah, over, you've got no recourse at that point. Maybe with Steam, right? Steam's a U.S. company, so maybe they can do something about that and that side of it. But yeah, by the time any of that happens, your 40 bucks is gone for five years. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you almost look at it as being, you know, Steam's got the two-week, two-hour thing as the majority of their protection. Do we think that it would be Steam a bit that kind of gets screwed? Yeah, unless they hold the money, right? They don't give it to you until they don't have to give a refund. It's not sure. something that's out of crazy, like, we'll be going, we got to hold your money for, we'll pay you six months after. You know, if it's two weeks, that's really not that big of a deal. If any of our listeners have any thoughts and would like to share their opinions on the Game Awards or early access or anything we've talked about, hop in our Discord. It is in the show notes. If you're not in there already, we have a podcast channel in there that you could chat in. Uh, and also, if any of our listeners would like to earn some free time at the lab, we want to reward you for listening. To do that, because we still have some codes left from our stream giveaway, uh, just go ahead and hop in our Discord. Go into the TGA giveaway channel, which you'll be able to see. It's right under podcast, and use the code BIGNEAL. If you watch the stream, you'll get that. <laughs> and if you haven't watched the stream, you can on twitch.tv slash playlabsgg. And, yeah, again, big Neil in the TGA giveaway channel. And share your thoughts on the podcast and the podcast channel, and we'll hook you guys up with some free time here at the lab. Good stuff, everybody. I appreciate everybody taking some time out of their day to talk about this stuff. Thank you guys for being on the show, and thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you all next week. Game on. Thanks for listening to Lab Notes. Visit playlabs.gg to find out more about our programming and schedule. Be sure to join our Discord and pop into the podcast channel to ask us questions or tell us what you think. See you next week. Game on.